This is part two of Bible prophecies about Jesus Christ that were written long before he lived. In part one, I read from the Old Testament four ancient prophecies about Jesus. Here's a quick review. The first prophecy is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And that prophecy predicted that someone would come to crush the serpent's head. The second prophecy is found in the book of Numbers, which is the fourth book of the Bible, in chapter 24, verses 15 to 17. In that prophecy, Balaam predicted that Jesus would be born in the line of Jacob. Jacob's name was later changed to Israel, and that Jesus would be like a shiny star, and that he would be a ruler holding a royal scepter. The third prophecy comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. And this prophecy predicted that Jesus would also be called a prophet like Moses. God would put his own words in Jesus' mouth, which we must listen to or face the consequences. And then the fourth prophecy that I talked about in part one was found in Micah chapter five, verse two. And this is perhaps the most famous ancient prophecy found in the entire Bible. It was written about 700 BC, and it predicted that Jesus would be born in a little town called Bethlehem, but he would not originate in Bethlehem. Instead, he would be an everlasting being who only entered into his mother Mary to be born through her as he became part of the human family. Now let's keep going. Our next prophecy is in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The prophecy says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This prophecy says that God himself would give humans a sign. And that sign would be a virgin woman who would miraculously have a son. Of all the religions in this world, this is something absolutely, totally, 100% unique. No other human being has ever been born into this world through a woman who wasn't first made pregnant by a man. No one except Jesus. He would have no earthly father which is really mind-boggling the more you think about it. Instead, his father would be God himself. That's why Jesus would be called the Son of God. Isaiah 9, verse 6 continues with this. Here's another prophecy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I like that part where it says that the government will be upon his shoulder. Do you like the American government? Or maybe you're listening to this program from some other country outside of the good old USA. And if you are, do you like your government? If you're an American, do you like our president? Well, maybe you do, or maybe you don't. But this prophecy in the Bible says that someday we can all live under a new government. 
Jesus Christ will be that government's supreme ruler. Prophecy also says that his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Verse 7 continues and says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. And then verse 7 concludes with, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, you know, to live under a government that has uh, peace, that will have no end, that's full of judgment and justice forever, I know that sounds too good to be true. But God's sure word of prophecy says that the Lord himself will be very zealous to make this happen. He will perform his word. Now, our next prophecy is in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And this is very specific. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. He is lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Again, that's Zechariah 9, verse 9. This prophecy was actually written by Zechariah the prophet somewhere around 500 B.C., and it was exactly fulfilled nearly 500 years later on the Sunday before the Friday when Jesus Christ died. According to eyewitness accounts in the New Testament, Jesus did ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, and he was surrounded by a vast crowd of Jews and others who shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! When this prophecy was fulfilled, there were a lot of people that were there in that crowd that recognized its fulfillment. But most didn't, just like today. In these last days of human history, there are multitudes of prophecies in the Bible that are being fulfilled all around us, right in front of our eyes. But sadly, most people in this world today are absolutely clueless that we are fast approaching the big event of the ages, which is the return of Jesus Christ in power and glory with billions of holy angels coming back to this earth to rescue those who have chosen with their whole hearts to follow him. Back to our study of ancient prophecies about Jesus. There, there really are too many in the Bible about Jesus' life on earth 2,000 years ago to cover entirely in this program. But I'll give you a quick summary of the major ones in addition to the prophecies that we covered in part one. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5, prophecy predicted that a voice in the wilderness would prepare the way for the Lord. And that prophecy was exactly fulfilled in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, when the powerful voice of John the Baptist 
began to cry out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the public appearance of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, prophecy predicted that the Holy Spirit would rest upon the coming one. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, this was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus in the form of a pure dove when he was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And by the way, uh, the River Jordan is not some mythological river, but it's a real river that still flows today in the Middle East. I had the privilege in 1983 of seeing that river, and I can tell you it's real, it's wet, it's there. And that was the river that Jesus was baptized in. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, prophecy predicted that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon the coming one and that he would preach good news to the poor, that he would heal the brokenhearted and bring liberty to those who have been captured by sin. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21, Jesus actually quoted this very passage from Isaiah, and then he applied it to himself. Jesus said to his hearers who heard him say these words, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 to 6, prophecy predicted that the coming one would bring salvation and he would perform wonderful miracles of healing, including opening the eyes of the blind. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31, this prophecy was exactly fulfilled when Jesus Christ opened the eyes of blind people. In the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, Prophecy also predicted that the coming one would suddenly come to his temple and that he would cleanse it. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 to 13, Jesus did enter the Jewish temple and he cleansed it from the traffic of selfish buyers and sellers who were making merchandise of God's sacrifices. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, prophecy predicted that a great light would someday shine in the territory of Galilee. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, that exact Old Testament prophecy is quoted as being fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus Christ, which was centered in the territory of Galilee north of Jerusalem. And uh, just like I mentioned about the Jordan River, Galilee is there today. Jerusalem is there today. The lake that Jesus walked on is there today. These places that are described in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are not fictitious. They're not mythological. They are real places that you can go to today. You can buy a ticket, get on a plane, fly to the Middle East, and visit them yourself if you want. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 118, verse 22, 
Prophecy also predicted that a stone, which the builders rejected, would become the head of God's building. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, that Old Testament statement is shown to have been fulfilled when Jesus Christ was largely rejected by his own people, by the Jews. But now he has become the head of God's church, which is composed of Jews and Gentiles who do believe in him. In the Old Testament, there are a lot of other exact features of Jesus' life which are perfectly described in advance before he was born. And, I, and I'll just give you some of these. In Isaiah 53, it says that the coming one would be despised and rejected. In Psalm 41, verse 9, the Bible talks about his being betrayed by a friend. In Zechariah 11, verse 12, the Bible says that he would be sold for exactly 30 pieces of silver, which is the price that Judas received when he betrayed Jesus to the chief priests. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, the Bible predicts that Jesus would stand silent before his accusers, which is exactly what happened when Jesus was tried by Herod and others. Psalm 22, verses 7 to 8, says that he would be mocked. And even the exact words of mockery were quoted nearly a thousand years later when Jesus finally hung on that cruel cross. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, it says that his back would be beaten, which is exactly what happened when Roman soldiers cracked the whip and brought it down on the back of an innocent Savior who was willing to go through this for you and for me. In Psalm 22, verse 6, the Bible says that his hands and his feet would be pierced. In Isaiah 53, verse 12, the Bible says that he would die between other lawbreakers or transgressors, and that while he was dying, he would make intercession and he would pray for his persecutors. And this is exactly what Jesus did when he hung on the cross and he was surrounded by people that were laughing at him and mocking him. And he prayed and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Psalm 69, verse 21, the Bible says that he would be given gall and vinegar to drink, which is the exact drink that was offered to Jesus as he hung on the cross. In Psalm 34, verse 20, the Bible says that none of his bones would be broken, which is exactly what happened uh, when Jesus finally did die. One of the Roman soldiers wanted to make sure that he was dead and he was about to break his legs, but he didn't do that because he saw that Jesus was dead, but he broke the legs of the two thieves that were crucified next to Jesus. But in order to fulfill the prophecy, not one bone of Jesus was to be broken. And that is exactly what happened. In Isaiah 53, verse 9, the Bible says that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb, which is exactly what happened when Joseph of Arimathea offered to give his tomb to Jesus 
because he knew that Jesus was, was more than just a man, and he wanted to honor the Lord by giving him a proper burial. In Psalm 22, verse 18, the Bible says that those near the cross would cast lots for his garments. Now, let's, let's just take a closer look at that last prophecy in Psalm 22, and I'll show you exactly how a prophecy in the Old Testament was perfectly fulfilled in the New Testament. Psalm 22, verse 16 says this, For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Piercing was a method of execution that the Romans perfected approximately a thousand years later after this prophecy was given. Verse 18 also says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing did they cast lots. Now, let's look at the New Testament and see how that prophecy was fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, the New Testament says, Then they crucified him, and they divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So there it is. In the Old Testament, we find prophecies that were perfectly fulfilled in the New Testament. And you can do this yourself. You can compare the Old Testament with the New Testament. And as you do this, you'll see again and again, there is a recurring pattern that happens, especially when you look at the life of Jesus. There are prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus' life. Prophecy fulfillment, prophecy fulfillment, prophecy fulfillment. It happens again and again and again in the pages of the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the first four books in the New Testament, which are eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. And if you, you, know, if you go to a library and look at literature that's been published throughout history, there really is nothing like it. There's nothing like it in any other book ever written in the history of this world. Everything that was predicted in the Old Testament about Jesus was fulfilled in the New Testament by Jesus, or it was done to Jesus exactly as predicted hundreds of years before he was born. Finally, as he hung upon the cross, Jesus died, and he died in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And prophecy also predicted that his death wasn't just a normal death like most people die today. Far from it. According to God's book, when Jesus died, he was actually mysteriously carrying in his mind, in his heart, and in his soul the sins of the entire world. He was carrying your sins. He was carrying my sins. He was carrying everybody's sins. Uh, during whatever time period we live, whether it's way back in the days of Adam or the days of Noah or Abraham or Moses or the time of Jesus 
or down through the dark ages. Um, and you can just go on and on, whether it's people in China or Japan or Russia uh, or the United States or Canada, everywhere around the world, we've all sinned. All humans have sinned. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, that the Lord would lay on him the sins of us all. It happened on a Friday afternoon, a day that uh, people often call Good Friday. It was at about three o'clock in the afternoon after hanging on a cross for approximately six long and dreadful hours, Jesus finally cried out and he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he died. Now here's the crowning issue. And it's this, did Jesus Christ really rise from the dead after his crucifixion and after he was buried? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus, when he was alive before his crucifixion predicted this. The Bible says from that time forward, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Honestly, no other religious leader who has ever lived has ever made such a claim. Not Muhammad or Buddha or Gandhi or Confucius. Essentially, Jesus said, I am going to Jerusalem to die, but I'm going to beat death. I'm going to be rejected, beaten, whipped, and crucified, but on the third day, I will rise from the dead. And again, the big question is, did he really rise from the dead? Where's the evidence? Well, let me tell you, here's the facts. Jesus died on a Friday afternoon at about three o'clock. His body was taken down from the cross by his closest friends and placed in a tomb cut out of a rock owned by a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. A large stone was then rolled over the entrance to the tomb so that no one could sneak in, steal his body, and then falsely claim that he had been resurrected. A Roman guard was also stationed outside the tomb just to make sure. His disciples were totally devastated for they didn't really expect their beloved master to die. So what happened? What changed everything? What event took place that gave his broken, discouraged, depressed disciples such courage and such incredible faith that they were all willing to die martyrs' deaths for Jesus in the days ahead? How was it that 300 years later, that Christianity had become the strongest religion in the Roman Empire? And why is it that today, on a planet inhabited by approximately 7 billion people, with all the religions in the world right now, how is it that Christianity is now the world's largest religion? I tell you, there's only one logical explanation. And that explanation is this that on the third day after his crucifixion, exactly as he predicted, Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. Here's the way the Bible describes it in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 7. At the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His face was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. 
And the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, the angel said, I have told you. So as I bring this two-part series called Prophecies About Jesus to a close, I want to tell you that in the Bible, we have a more sure word of prophecy. No other book and no other religion has prophecies and fulfillment like the Bible. Jesus Christ really was born in Bethlehem through a virgin named Mary. God alone was his true father. He really is the son of God. After his death and resurrection, he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. Then he visibly ascended up to heaven. Today, he is alive in heaven, and Bible prophecy plainly predicts that he will come back again soon to take to heaven those who repent of their sins and believe in him as their Lord and Savior. The book of Revelation says that Jesus will someday destroy all sin. Unfortunately, he will have to destroy unrepentant sinners who don't give up their sins, and he will also destroy the devil himself, the author of all sin. Then he will make a new heaven and a new earth, just like the Garden of Eden, where we can live happily forever and ever and ever. And the best part of all of this is that this amazing person who had so many ancient prophecies recorded about his life before he was born and who fulfilled them exactly as it is written in the Old Testament, this amazing person, he loves you and he loves me. Thank God. And he is offering each one of us full forgiveness and he's offering us his transforming power to come into our hearts, to change our lives and to give us the strength to do what's right in these last days, to follow him, to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves and to live moral, pure, godly lives as we wait for his return. So I urge you to make the best decision that you'll ever make, which is to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior today. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, Go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.